Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What's up, Dolphins? And welcome into the Friday, February the 8th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield. And as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, the state of the roster series continues. We peek under the hood of the Miami Dolphins running back room and jump into the Twitter mailbag. But first, before any of that, I kindly invite each and every one of you to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. We are a top five podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, and we owe that all to you guys. So we appreciate that. Thank you very much. Give me a follow on Twitter, at NFL. Follow the show, at LockedOnFins. And check out LockedOnDolphins.com. Tons of new content for you guys up there today and every other day as well. And last but not least, it's draft season. Check out the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast and Draft Dudes Podcast, both part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And I have settled in here nicely back at the homestead, back home, recording the podcast here late on this Thursday night. I am stuck in some miserable, miserable weather out here in central Washington, about an hour and a half east of Seattle where I live. And driving back and forth to class every day, which is further eastern Washington. And these snowstorms we've had the last week and coming up next week have been brutal. So I could, there's a possibility that I could be in front of my computer throughout all of next week because I might not have class as we are getting hit with what they're calling snowpocalypse out here in Washington State. So hopefully we all make it out alive from that. But with that, let's go ahead and jump into this Friday podcast with your Twitter mailbag and the running back room state of the roster. That's another Miami Dolphins. And before I get into the actual players, I want to make a note of who, in my opinion, was the best coach on the entire staff in 2018, talking about first-year Miami Dolphins coach, longtime Denver Broncos coach, of course, the running backs coach and running game coordinator, Eric Studsville. And I don't know how to pronounce his name yet. Studsville, Studsville, Studisville. I think it's Studsville, but who the hell knows? But nonetheless, the influence that he brought to Miami last year under Adam Gaze was really the most consistent aspect of the entire football team, whether it was running game, passing game, running defense, passing defense. The running game was the most consistent and the most successful throughout the season. And that was primarily because of the influence that Studsville brought to the team. Lots of trap plays, lots of wham blocks coming back across the formation. He brought the split zone to complement the outside zone game, incorporated some play side pulling man gap schemes, some power schemes. See that Patriots game back at home against the Patriots in Miami for a lot of examples of that. But I also love that he showed or displayed, exhibited, whatever you want to call it, a connection with both these running backs and more so with Kenyon Drake visibly because after that Bears game, when Drake had the ultimate roller coaster ride of a game, that great shot of Studsville, that's the coach that you looked at when he was down on the sideline with Kenyon Drake, kind of consoling Kenyon Drake after that fumble into the end zone. And then also, if you guys recall last draft season, I had Brennan Marion, former Miami Dolphins player in training camp before he got injured. And now he's currently the offensive coordinator of Howard University, I want to 
USA. But before that, he was the strength coach at Arizona State with Kalen Balage, and he had glowing things to say. He also told us that Kalen Balage and Studsville had a great connection back to high school because Studsville in Denver was very close to where Balage played high school football. So there's a connection there from back in the high school days for Balage. So he definitely loves both these guys. I think both these guys are going to have featured roles on the team this year. But before we get into that, just to put the cherry on the top of the Studsville love here on the podcast, when Jason and I, Jason Harina, the staff editor for LockedOnDolphins.com, and he wrote a banger of a piece today up on LOD.com titled Brian Flores' Biggest Advantage. You will not want to miss that, in addition to the running back state of the roster column up on LOD.com. But Jason and I saw Studsville having a conversation with someone that I assume was his daughter, a younger gal, younger girl, whatever the hell the term for that is. And he definitely had that cool but don't try any funny business dad vibe like a a guy you can kind of be buddies with but also a disciplinarian you kind of could almost emanate that from what he was saying and the way he just kind of presented himself in the lobby down in Davie so retaining Studsville to me was one of the biggest wins of the offseason and probably will be one of the bigger wins we get all offseason long but as for the running backs on the roster there are just those two guys right now, Kenya Drake and Kalen Balaj, and we'll start this thing talking about those two players. But before we do, I think it's very important to note that Miami is severely under the budget at the position with Kalen Balaj and Kenyon Drake because, frankly, they're both playing for peanuts in 2019. The cash owed to those two running backs, and this will certainly go up because they're going to have to sign more running backs, but... We'll get into who they might have a chance at getting in the offseason, whether it's free agency or the draft. But right now, they're only paying $1.2 million bucks in 2019 for the running back position. The league average there is $6.9 million. So very, very far under budget at the position. And that includes the starter, Kenyon Drake, who is owed just $810K before his free agency or his contract comes to an end and he enters free agency in 2019 or 2020 rather. But just the type of player that he is, the balance, the breakaway speed, the power and the ridiculous ability to change direction and show power while he is changing directions and accelerate through those cuts. I think he is scheme diverse. I think he's a fantastic option in the passing game. Frankly, I think he was the biggest disappointment from a production standpoint in 2018 but by no fault of his own because he produced when he was out there nine touchdowns was by far the most touchdowns on the entire roster. I think Kenyon Drake is in line for a big, big breakout year in 2019. Very excited for that. But I'm also excited about his backup or his 1B or his number two on the one-two punch there, Kalen Balage, who is owed just $480,000 next year, second year on his rookie deal. But he was used primarily as the trigger man in the Wildcat. He is very versatile as well, a fantastic pass catcher out of the backfield, a very fluid mover. Some of the downfalls in his game is that maybe he doesn't have the best vision or general feel for the right holes and the right gaps, which can be a problem in a zone blocking scheme. But get him out in space, get him on the field at the same time as Kenyon Drake. And I think these two guys could be a very, very deadly duo together. I think Balaj will be, we'll call it the number two back, but really could be more of a 1B behind the 1A of Kenyon Drake. So looking forward to both those guys getting work done in 2019. And next on the podcast, we're going to finish this thing up talking about the free agents to be on the roster at running back, take a look at the draft class and free agency, as well as jump into your Twitter questions on the Twitter mailbag. We'll do all that next here on the other side of the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins. It's a Friday. It is not the best weather out here in my hometown, my 
neck of the woods out in Washington State. I hope you guys are enjoying South Florida, and I hope I can get my ass down there sooner rather than later. This winter weather certainly is pushing me more and more in that direction. I just need the job to follow me down there so I can make it happen and make it work and get the misses on board, but that's neither here nor there. Let's go ahead and talk about the rest of the running back roster as we head into the offseason here in 2019 for this brand new look Dolphins team we're going to see next season. We talked about Kalen Balaj and Kenyon Drake. Those guys, to me, are set in stone as the number one and number two backs on this team. You have Frank Gore out there. He made $1.1 million last year, and he played his balls off last season. He was really, really a good good player, a good addition, and probably, I mean, this is probably more an indictment of the team in general, but was there anyone on the offense that consistently contributed and produced more than Frank Gore last year? That's why I know it's hard to say goodbye, especially if he wants to come back for a cheap caught or cheap payday. But I really don't want to see him block the progress of Drake and Balage, especially Drake, who we could be without him in one year if you know, he doesn't get any work. He wants to leave and goes on a cheap contract somewhere else. I'd be okay losing Kenyon Drake if it's because he plays out of his mind and we can't re-sign him for the contract he wants in 2020. But Frank Gore blocks the possibility of that being something that he could do, in my opinion. So I say he will not be back. I don't think that he'll come back because the new staff might not have the same affinity for him that Adam Gaze did. So Frank Gore, 1.1 million bucks last year. My prediction is that he is not re-signed. Brandon Bolden, on the other hand, made 850k last year. He's a free agent to be. I think it's for sure that he'll come back and be a running back on the back end of the depth chart, but also one of the special teams aces that can play here under Chad O'Shea, Brian Flores, and the new Patriots-infused staff in South Florida. Bolden's offensive production was really born out of deception last year and some trick plays, some big-time plays. He did have that one nice 50-yard touchdown run against the Patriots. That was a really nice run by him, but also great blocking. He was also very productive on special teams, so I think there's very little doubt that Brandon Bolden is back on the roster as one of the three running backs we have already. And that brings up Sonoris Perry, who made 580k last year. Look, his connection to the Dolphins was through Adam Gaze. He played with Gaze in Chicago on the Bears. And now with Gaze out the door and Brandon Bolden here doing the special teams work, Kenyon Drake and Kalen Balaj, and possibly a shift in the running scheme because, frankly, Perry was a better fit for the running scheme we ran before Eric Studsville got here when it was just Adam Gaze in the outside zone, basically. So I think that he also is not brought back. So Frank Gore and Sonoris Perry both out the window. Brandon Bolden comes back and joins Kenyon Drake and Kalen Balaj, And that brings us to the free agent market, which is actually really nice this year if all these guys make it to the market. We all know Le'Veon Bell is the big bell of the ball, and he's not going to be on the Dolphins' radar, so we can cross him off immediately. Tevin Coleman, Mark Ingram, C.J. Anderson, Latavius Murray are probably the next four guys in line in this class, and that's a really great group of guys to pick from. I don't think that highly of Latavius Murray. I think C.J. Anderson was probably more of a scheme fit with the Rams last season, and then Tevin Coleman is a dynamic monster, and Mark Ingram's pretty damn good in his own right. I think both those guys will get bought by teams that need running backs and feature them. So we can cross all four of them off the list as well. And that brings us into the secondary market, like what we got last year with Frank Gore for one million bucks. And with Drake and Balazs kind of having a similar skill set, maybe you can see the Dolphins go out and try to find someone in the bruiser mold like a LeGarrette Blunt, who is a free agent, even though he was pretty trash last year for the Lions. But there is that connection with the Patriots ties as he played in Foxborough for a number of years up there. And then some of the common themes that I think that might be more pertinent than like size or prototypes is just the ability to catch the football. And that's why I put 
my favorite guy on this list. There's a huge list of running backs on the free agency market for 2019. I think Raheem Mostert from San Francisco was a guy I'd be interested in looking at. But the number one target I have who is a secondary piece in the market is TJ Yeldon. He was a backseat number two guy behind Leonard Fournette, but because Fournette was always hurt, he outproduced the former fourth overall pick in the draft. He made just one and a half million dollars last year. He has a connection to offensive line coach Pat Flaherty, who coached the line in Jacksonville the last two years. So his passing game prowess, the ability to get out on the edge and catch the ball and make plays in the screen game, I think we're going to see tons and tons of that under Chad O'Shea. And I would not be surprised to see TJ Yeldon brought on as kind of the guy to compete with Kalen Balaj for the number two and number three role in the free agency market for cheap too. And you can stay under budget with Yeldon and Brandon Bolden there too. So I like that idea a whole lot. Then there's the draft class, which it's a good deep group. It's not top heavy, but that's probably what the Dolphins want because they're not going to be drafting guys in the first couple of rounds in this draft class. So you can cross off Joshua Jacobs, David Montgomery, Elijah Holyfield, Benny Snell, some of those guys. The one guy that I really wanted to make a note of was Rodney Anderson out of Oklahoma. And again, because of his prowess in the passing game, he sets up blocks beautifully. He's fluid. He's a one-cut zone specialist, but he has an injury history. He ended last season injured and didn't play in the playoffs for Oklahoma. But I think that probably hurts his value. If Miami can scoop him up in the fourth round, that would be just amazing to add him to that trio of backs and just really go with a strong running game this year and beyond. And speaking of a strong running game, we'll touch on that at the end of the podcast here today. But back into this draft class, another name to keep an eye on, Penn State's Miles Sanders, because he runs a full route tree as a running back. I think guys like James White, you can think of in that same mold. The Dolphins could look to add someone like him. So Rodney Anderson, Miles Sanders, some of the names I like there. TJ Yeldon, when everything's all said and done, I think that the the depth chart at running back is going to go like this. Kenyon Drake, number one, pretty obvious. Kalen Balage number two. And the number three will be either like a TJ Yeldon or a Rodney Anderson or a Miles Sanders. And then you have number four as Brandon Bolden. So they'll keep four backs, Drake Balage, who knows at number three, and Brandon Bolden as your number four. So that's the state of the running back roster. You can find that entire column with more details up on LockedOnDolphins.com. But right now, let's go ahead and shift gears. And go ahead and jump into this Twitter mailbag. You guys know the drill by now. I put the call out on Twitter for questions. You guys reply with your questions. You get a shout out here with a Twitter handle and your name on the podcast, as well as your question answered here on the show. So let's go ahead and jump in with the first one here from a familiar friend of the podcast, Mr. Burrito. He is at Mr. Burrito. What's up, man? How you been? I haven't seen you out on the Twitterverse very much lately. Hope everything's all good with you, dude. Uh, His question is one piece of advice that you've received recently or maybe earlier in life that is helping you navigate your life right now. You're a busy man with family, life, school, locked on, etc. Just curious. As always, love the pods, love the work, keep grinding. We stay locked on. Man, that's a that's a really nice tweet. Thank you for writing that. I, that means a lot. I think the biggest piece of advice I got as far as doing podcasting and writing is just to say yes to everything. And that's kind of leaked over into my personal life too. Obviously, there's certain things you don't say yes to. But if someone offers you an opportunity... You never know what can come of it because everything could open another door. And that's really been a MO for me on the podcast here is just saying yes, no matter how small the podcast, how small the website, whatever it might be. I just say yes, because you never know who might see it, who might hear it. And things have worked out well that way. So just be open and say yes to everything. 
Next question here comes from Texas Dolphins fan. He is at Texas Dolphin fan. Easy enough. Besides taking Kyler Murray in the first round at 13, would you trade down at the spot or pick BPA? Who would you take? Like your podcast, by the way. For me, I have three guys other than Murray I like at that spot. Dwayne Haskins is one of them, but I think he'll be gone. So we'll use three other names. Ed Oliver from Houston, I think he could play pretty much anywhere on the defensive line. Ja'Kai Polite, I think would be a fantastic outside linebacker in this very unique, very versatile very multiple defensive line we're going to run with various fronts next season. So I like him a whole lot. And then Greedy Williams to be a number two cornerback. I would love him. So any of those three guys I'd be happy with at 13. Next question here comes from uh, Morton Smedholden at FinFan Norway all the way overseas. What's going on, Morton? I believe you had a tweet about you expect Smythe to be ahead of Gasicki on the depth chart. What are your opinions on Gasicki's fit with Chad O'Shea? Well, I, I butchered that last sentence there. So what's my opinion on Gasicki's fit with Chad O'Shea? I think you're going to see him play in more of a souped-up wide receiver role. He's not going to be leading the NFL in tight ends pass blocking like he was under Adam Gase for whatever the hell reason. I, I don't know why they did that. But I think that he'll be more of a receiver, maybe trying to play more of that X boundary position where they kind of, you know, in the boundaries, the short side of the field where you typically you have your tight end and you're running back to that side and then the receivers to the other side, to the field side. And I think Gasecki could serve in that three by one look quite a bit and flex out and play more receiver, more slot and get out. Get Don't be in line because he gets whipped in there. His footwork's all wrong in there. He has to be rebuilt from the ground up. And I think the best way to do that is to try to make him more of a wide receiver in 2019. Next one here comes from A.A. Dominguez at Rotomus Bowtie. I remember hearing that Ross didn't pick Tomlin some time ago because he was too urban or something like that. It was actually too hip-hop. So yeah, same idea. Do you think he learned a lesson from excluding coaches based off that criteria? Note, I'm not at all implying that Ross is a racist. Please don't think that. Well, that, that's a great disclaimer. You have to say that kind of stuff these days, unfortunately. I actually just read that MLB changed the disabled list to the injured list because they don't want to give the message that disabled people can't play sports. Like, okay, you know, whatever. But so yeah, you have to have disclaimers. So good job on that one, Mr. Dominguez. As far as the question... I think that the entire experience has been one of a learning experience for Steven Ross. He's been successful everything he's done in his life, except for running the Miami Dolphins. And so it sucks for us, but I think that he's learned along the way, you know, the, the orange carpet thing, he got rid of that. The primetime games instead of the one o'clock games, he got rid of that. It's been a slow, slow learning experience, but I think that definitely, yes, he has learned from that mistake because he's learned from most of his mistakes, to be perfectly honest. Next question here comes from Andrew Grant at ASG underscore Grant. For draft future and flexibility's sake, would you possibly tag James and see what he might fetch in a trade? I think it's not a bad idea because if you tag him and you get stuck paying that tab, that tag, tab, whatever you want to call it, if you can't trade him and you have to pay him, then that number isn't really more or it might even be less than what you would pay him on an annual basis if you give him a long-term extension. So it would be safe in that way. I don't want to lose Juwan James because you're not going to replace him unless you want to spend another first round draft pick on him. And this offensive line is not in a position to lose either of these two tackles because the interior is an absolute mess. So I would say no, but if you can do that and then negotiate a new contract, and if that doesn't go well, then try to trade him from that point, I'd be fair game for that. But I don't want to trade him because this O-line needs the bodies. Okay, we've got a few more questions here on the Twitter mailbag. We're going to get to all of them today. So we'll do that next on the other side of the podcast here. Locked on Dolphins at Wingfield NFL at Locked on Fins.
It is almost the weekend here on the Friday, February the 8th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And we have a few more Twitter questions to jump into, and we'll do that right now. This first one here comes from Finsanity at JustTheFacts32. How much roster turnover should we expect this offseason? I would say close to half. I mean, half the roster from last year is free agents going into this offseason. And I think with a new coaching staff, we can see plenty of those guys kind of going by the wayside, drafting their own guys, maybe staying away from free agency a little bit, but also having some priority undrafted free agents because every single year, the Patriots bust out an undrafted DB, it seems, Malcolm Butler, JC Jackson, and turn him into a great player or let's say a good player in their rookie seasons. So I would expect them to be very young and have a lot of turnover in that part of the roster. So I'll go with probably about half, maybe 40%. Next question here comes from Dante Antonelli at Antonelli Dante underscore. How many touches per game can we expect from our halfbacks, both in the running and passing game in O'Shea's offensive system? I think that it's going to be the featured part of the offense, frankly. I mean, the passing prowess of both those guys, Drake and Balazs, is going to be so much more on display this season than it was last year. I think you can probably expect 15 to 18 touches for Kenyon Drake, probably 12 to 15 for Kalen Balazs. And then sprinkle in some here and there for the number three and four running backs as we go along. So a lot for the running backs in this offense. Next question comes from Mr. Stubborn at Abduarte underscore one. How big of a need is wide receiver for this team? And what round would you see Miami drafting a receiver if they do? And who would you target? That's actually a great question and a great topic to lead into here because on Monday's podcast, we'll get into the receiver room on the state of the roster series. But I think you have to replace Danny Amendola and Devontae Parker. Both those guys are due way too much money for their production. And we can go 10 rounds if you want to on Danny Amendola. But you're, you're simply wrong if you think that he is deserving of that paycheck he is owed next season. So I think they would move on from him and Devontae Parker. As far as what round, I would say it's probably going to be day three, like the fourth or the fifth round at the earliest because... This receiver class, there are some guys that I like in the back end of it. And the guy from UC Davis that really played well at the Senior Bowl, I think would be a good X receiver on that boundary side of the formation like I talked about with Mike Kosicki. I think Keelan Doss, UC Davis, would be a great target later on to focus on in this draft class. We've got one more here, I think it is, that I skipped over. I skipped over two of them. Okay, let's go back to Big Tone. He is at Big Tone, 105-44668. Change it. If the Dolphins draft Kyler Murray at 13, do you think it's possible he decides that he wants to play baseball and that the Dolphins have wasted the 13th overall pick? I mean, I guess, yeah, it's it's an option for him. But I think if he goes to the draft, that means the A's are pretty much going to disown him. And I think he won't have much of a future in baseball. And if he does go back to baseball, he'll have to play for peanuts. So I think he's not going to do that if he chooses football. Last question here. And I wasn't going to do it because it's not really what I do on the podcast, but he's a good friend of the show and a good friend on Twitter, Vero Delfino at Dolphins Rule All. And I always thought your name was Vero Dolphan, so I just now realized it was different. But Vero asks, I can't believe I'm going to read this question on the podcast. Should penis size be taken into account when searching for a bridge quarterback? Is smaller better? More agility? Plays angrier? My answer to that is you don't go into the number one defense in the NFL if you're not named Big Cock Brock and get that W. So yeah, of course size matters. Okay, that's it for the mailbag. Just 10 questions this week. You guys are slacking from what you normally do with 30 or 25 questions. 
but I don't always get to them, so I guess I understand that. Before we close this podcast up, I want to talk about one last thing. It was a tweet that I put out into the universe regarding a Quinn and Williams interview. If you guys recall, Quinn and Williams, he's supposed to go top three in this draft from Alabama, basically unblockable on the interior defensive line. But he had that famous press conference or pregame presser where he talked about Kyler Murray, and then he stopped talking because Nick Saban walked by and flashed him the you better not signal. I don't know what actually happened, but that's what I assume happened when he stopped talking. But this interview asked him, why he did that or what he was going to say about Kyler Murray. I was starting to go somewhere like uh, speaking out of opinion, speaking out of my, uh, speaking out of really my process, my uh, work ethic, speaking out of just my competition. You wanted to say he's never seen anyone like me, right? (laughs) Or he's never seen anyone like our defense. Something like that, but... Hey, the um, game's over. You don't need to worry about it now. (laughs) Something like that, but Kyler Murray, the real deal, man. Uh, he he's the best quarterback, probably I, the fastest person I ever went against, the fastest person I ever tried to catch, and he had me win it out there. And uh, he's the best quarterback probably I ever seen, probably go against. Uh, so. Um, hats off to him and his career. So you might notice best quarterback I've ever seen, but the part that I really noticed was that he said he had me winded out there because you go back to that Bama game, which was in Miami, by the way, and that defense was donezo by that fourth quarter. And before you say, well, Travis, they were in prevent defense. None of that mattered. No, they weren't. They weren't in prevent defense. They, they just weren't. And that's not the point anyway. Watch those big linemen in that game. Hands on hips, gassed after chasing Kyler Murray around for four quarters. And that was a December evening in Miami. You think Jordan Phillips wants to chase Kyler Murray around the rock at one o'clock in a September game? Fat chance. And that's just a great way to complement the idea of a power running game and getting this team to play under its own natural home field advantage with the heat and the humidity in South Florida. And just before we get out of here on the podcast, I will say this about the quarterback class. The idea of Dwayne Haskins is starting to really grow on me. But according to the Move the Sticks podcast, he's going to go very, very early in this draft, like top three even. So I think we can probably forget that idea. But even still, Murray is leaps and bounds better. So let's just hope that he keeps on having these awkward interviews so we can steal him at number 13 and change the fortunes of this franchise forever. All right, that's a great note to end the week on here of podcast on Locked on Dolphins podcast. If you haven't checked out Wednesday's show with Omar Kelly, you'll want to do that. The second highest downloaded podcast in LOD history behind the Jeff Darlington episode from last summer. We've got all that content on the site and plenty of other tidbits throughout the week here on the podcast. So catch up on all those on Apple Podcasts. Keep an eye out soon on LockedOnDolphins.com for Kevin Dern's return to the website. He'll do his comprehensive defensive preview. That thing is going to be absolutely aces for you football nuts. So do not miss that. I'm going to do the exact same thing on the offensive side of the ball. So as always, LockedOnDolphins.com is the number one best site for all Dolphins news and really the only site you guys need for your daily news and analysis here on the Miami Dolphins. And with that, I really am going to get out of here on the podcast now for the week on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. And if you guys want to play this podcast instantly and you have a smart speaker, just tell your smart speaker to play Locked On Dolphins podcast and pull it up instantly. Also, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins and keep up to date on our Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.